I'm Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 157 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. Yeah, that's what's happening, man. That's just totally what you're doing right now to yourself. Yeah, and I don't know welcome. why. What, what were you you're welcome. thinking? What were you I know, thinking? I know, right? You're like, yo, oh, I have an hour po- and a half to kill. You went positive and I went negative. Let me go positive. Uh, you're welcome for this gift in your earbuds. Yeah. Cinepunks. That makes your commute. I mean, if you're commuting an hour and a half each way, dude, like maybe discuss yourself something else that's closer to home, maybe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In, in this economy, with this, with these gas prices. With these gas prices, you're commuting like that? What, what is going on? Damn mine. Out your no, God. No, 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 no judge. No, no judge. Maybe I'm they're, saying. Maybe they're grabbing a bus, though. It's true. They might be grabbing a bus. I, I used to know someone when I lived in Easton. I knew someone who grabbed a bus to NYC every morning. Oof, Jeff Pelly maneuvering. He used to Crazy. do that. Philadelphia to Burley Bear in New York City every day. Took the 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 fucking uh what's the the bullet speed train on? Oh sure. The fuck is that thing called? Yeah, Amtrak. Acela. I think uh-huh. that train is the Acela. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, sold a lot of tickets to Jeff Pelly, man. It was brutal. But yeah, you I know. mean that's expensive too. I though I think the bus my man took to New York from Easton wasn't that expensive. But it was a long ass ride. It's like was it a Chinatown bus, John? Like the dollar? <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't that cheap. But it was like a, it is. It was a commuter bus, so it wasn't that mm. expensive either. That is because I've done that a seller before. That shit is yeah. not. That shit is not cheap. It's not cheap, but it gets you to New York City in like a half hour. Yeah, if you take fast. Patco to New Jersey Transit, that's at least three hours. But a half hour on the Acela, John. Now, granted, you're paying three times as much. You're paying like a buck twenty yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Each way, which is like, it's your outro. Goddamn my. But, you know, whatever. Whatever. I mean, people do what they want. I mean, I like the idea. This is one of the things we, 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 we don't. There's a lot of issues in the world we don't talk about because they don't come up in movies, right? Right. Sorry, I'm a little burpy. A little burpy. I know, I'm real burpy. Um, Sorry. Uh, there's a lot of things we don't really get time to talk about because it's not in a movie. But one of the things that's true about me is I am deeply jealous of other countries' public transportation systems. Mm, I just think agreed. like yeah. the, the motivation that people had to go, we could have public transportation or we could just have all the fucking highways in the world. That was such a bad and very immoral choice that not only hurt this country, but the whole planet with all the fucking cars in this country, you know, and all the driving everybody does shit's fucked up, man. And like, we could have had bullet trains. Like you, we literally could have had trains where you're like, I'm going to get on this train in New York. It's going to take me to Chicago. And then I'm going to get on a train to Chicago. That's going to take me to, I don't know where the fuck in the middle of the country. You know what I mean? And you can do that with Amtrak, but it's expensive and it takes a long fucking time. And I think because, a lot of Americans don't travel. They don't realize there are other options. They're just like, yeah, this is what it is, right? It's just, this is what it's like everywhere. It's like, no, there are, in Europe, you just get on a train in one country and then four countries later you get off and it's like chill, you know, it's, it's just fucking nuts, man. So I, I, you know, the, the, (laughs) nothing would make me happier than for, to be like, for me to be like, yeah, Liam, I'm coming over. Let me get on this train. That's cheap. Yeah, well, and it might not be that that cheap, but it it would be cheaper than it is now. You know, like if I was trying to Amtrak it to New York, that's like, you know, depending. I guess there's our cheap seats, but chances are it's going to be expensive. I would have had to plan it a long time ahead of time. And it's a long ass trip. Right. If we had cheap bullet train technology, (laughs) I I mean, the Uros. 
I I mean, imagine if that ticket was twenty bucks. Like that, I would drop that twenty bucks in a fucking second. You know, I get it, man. I get it. But what are you gonna do, Liam? What are you gonna do? Instead, if I want to just casually come out, it's a fucking sixteen hour car ride. Yeah, yeah, or a plane ride. Although I will say, plane tickets right now to all our Philadelphia listeners, plane tickets to Chicago or or from Chicago to Philly are pretty cheap. So. I don't have the schedule where I can come visit, but if you want to come out here, it's like a hundred bucks right now. So check it out. Sick. But you, but you're flying Frontier and risking monkeypox, so you know. You're yeah, calm. yeah, yeah. Or you're flying JetBlue, and you know, there might be feathers flying around with you, like in uh, Indiana yeah. Jones and yeah. Temple of Doom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all good though, Lao Che. You know. But um, what are we talking about in this episode, Josh? We're talking about two performative movies. We're talking about Eric Bogosian's sex, drugs, rock and roll. And we're talking about Spalding Gray's swimming to Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, now, man. This is very much for this. You want to, this, this is very was much, my episode. Yeah. I chose these movies. This was a Josh episode. It's funny because do you think I think because I'm also I'm often giving you a hard time for liking Fast and the Furious, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That I seem like the pinky in the air uptight elitist one and you're the more down-to-earth relatable kind of blue collary one between the two of us but you have a real soft spot for certain kinds of art you know like performing arts yeah performing arts yeah yeah yeah. now granted we have just discussed previously on this show that you think that uh abstract dance is booty whereas Uh i like it but other than that i think you're more hoity-toity when it comes to the arts than people realize I mean, it's, you know, I am a working class dude, you know what I'm saying? This collar is blue, but your boy just likes a thing. You know what I'm saying? No judgment and- from me. I'm just saying it. I'm not the only one that's a that's a <laughs> NPR listening fan of the arts here. I think it's right, I think right, right. Died of the same wool when it comes to that sort of thing. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to admit it. I don't give one thin shit. If you want to judge me, listen, go ahead. You have my blessing. That said, I'm not going to apologize for having dope taste because no. that's what I got. You know what I'm saying? Well, this is an interesting genre, this idea of the filmed the perf- one-man show, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But, and these are two very different versions of that. One Wildly of which is filmed different. by Jonathan Demi, which is like, you got to take that seriously. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. This shit is wild, man. And yeah. like, that's the funny thing, right? Like, there are definite weird similarities in terms of its visual capture that is in here. Like, sure. strange slow-motion bits that make no sense to me. Yeah. But... Man, what a divergent path these two, huh? Whew, yeah, I have yeah. some things to say, but I'm keeping it under my hat. Keep yeah, it under my hat to reveal well, later. We'll, we'll reveal them after we first thank who do we have to thank, Liam? Well, we, of course, want to thank all of our supporters on Patreon. Oh, um, yo, Patreons. Guess what? So I've been talking to Mr. Sharky, who yeah. uh, <laughs> just mouth noise, Liam. Sorry. I, I'm sorry, y'all. I, I, uh, yeah, sorry. It's, I mean, what are you just drinking seltzer all day? Like what's happening? But, um, so, so I was talking to, um, to producer to the stars and, uh, Cinepunk's, uh, editor extraordinaire, uh, Sharky. And I think that we're going to have a Patreon exclusive five minute episode that happens weekly from your boy. That's going to be called the Pogi Delphia culture, Co- culture podcast. And it's just going to be me telling you what to do. That's cool. I appreciate that. And uh, so hopefully we will have a new episode of this dropping simultaneously. Or, well, I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe by the time this episode comes up, we'll have at least one or two of those 
up for our Patreon subscribers. Just yeah. a little thank you. You know what I'm saying? I, I also wanted to do a little, we'll do a little on my production notes right now. I, oh, also, yeah. I also think like uh, people like when we have just like friend catch up episodes. So I was thinking that we maybe should get in the habit of Fred uh, catch up episodes. Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so what's going on, Liam? Yeah. yeah, yeah. How you because, doing, buddy? Because I, this is something people might not realize because we appear largely ignorant on the show, but we actually do put a certain amount of work in before we record a, a real episode of Cinepunks. And so that means there's a certain amount of scheduling, like at minimum to watch the movies, but hopefully to like do a teeny bit of research beforehand too. Whereas like at any point, if you weren't working and I was free because I don't work right now uh, and you were like, let's just hop on and record something. We could do that. And I think like we, uh, I think people like when we're just chatting it up. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's something we'll we'll try to do. Now granted, it's For all the record, dependent. I like when we just chat it up. I love yeah, it. Agreed, it's like my agreed. favorite thing. You know what I mean? Well, I think this allows us to do it without having it be a full episode. Because um I like that we have stuff to talk about on our actual episodes, but I don't think it's a bad thing to occasionally just do catch up episodes of the show like on the main feed. But I think it'd uh-huh. be neat to offer it as like a special thing on the Patreon because I think people would actually be stoked on that. So really, I'm bringing it up on mic so that people feel like, oh man, I want I want to hear those. I want to know do about the fucking that. Patreon. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We also want to thank our friends over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Uh, you know, Chris Chris rejects a lot of things. You know, he's a wrestling promoter. <laughs> he's a record uh record company mogul. Uh, mogul. Uh, he's a dastardly dubious monster, but he's also a reliable printer of tees flags handkerchiefs sweatpants hats he's 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 got your apparel needs over there uh and he's going to do a great job and it's going to be reliable and awesome yep absolutely so if you have a thing to promote that you think you can promote with a t-shirt maybe your uh you know your rock band or maybe your book club or maybe your uh you know uh underwater basket weaving uh class maybe you guys want to have a show of solidarity wear the same shirt you know what i mean uh, I would go to Chris Reject at xlvacx.com and put that order in and tell him that Cinepunk sent you and he'll charge you 10% more. It's dope. <laughs> it's so sick. Uh, also, our friend Aaron Dahlbeck uh, is uh, slinging some amazing coffee over there at essexcoffeeroasters.com. Uh, Aaron, uh, uh, roast to order high quality beans so that you are getting the freshest possible cup. He also offers uh, quality tea, apparel. All kinds of stuff over there at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Does a lot of uh, sponsored, uh, or not just sponsored, rather, he does partnership releases. We did a Cinepunks blend with him. I, recently, I did a Cross Keys with him. Yeah, I, I recently got the Fairweather blend, which, mm. by the way, um, Fairweather is a band I haven't thought of since 2004, 2005, something yeah. like that. I didn't even know they were still uh, like, a, like a band they that could do a just put out a new record, yeah. I didn't know that. So I basically just did the subscription. I'm now doing the subscription for Essex uh, because I just, you know, I want the coffee to come regularly. So I'm doing a two-bag subscription, and he included the Fairweather one, and it was really good. I was actually super impressed. That's awesome. Uh, and, and that's one of the things people don't realize is, like, these um, – partnership blends are actually good it's not it's not just a label so yeah sscoffeeroasters.com on your way out you're going to want to put in code cinepunks c-i-n-e-p-u-n-x get that 10 percent off your order come on and let aaron know that we're dope too and that you know yeah that you got there because of us yeah 
So that's funny that the Fairweather blend is good. You know, Fairweather is uh, Pete and Shane, who are also in Be Well with our friend Aaron. So it's like, oh, see, ah, I didn't know that either. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, and then who else do we need to thank, Josh? Uh, we need to voice. thank our good people at Mechanical Shark Media, talking about King Shark and Amanda. Um, they're awesome. They're deserving of all of your support and love. Um, they are building an, a whole studio. A yeah. fucking big ass studio. That shit is so dope. If you follow Sharky's uh Instagram page, you'll see like he's like just building these dude. I just I honestly it's the kind of thing that I just watch on the sidelines and I am perpetually in awe of this man's capability and tenacity. Like it's so fucking cool to watch because he's building this from scratch. Okay. And he taught himself all the stuff to do and as you can tell, if you've been listening to Sun Punks, our man is no slouch. He knows what the fuck he's doing. So if you have stuff that needs to be recorded, if you need puppets made, if you need things to be filmed, Sharky and Amanda are your peoples at mechanicalsharkmedia.com, right? Do they have a .com? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought it was, because that's what I said. And uh, tell them that Cinepunk sent you, and I don't know uh, if that'll help you or not, but it might. So holler at your boy and let him know Cinepunk sent you. <laughs> All right. Josh. Cool. Word. Josh. Whack it on track! Uh, gotcha! Bang! I thought, I thought you might do it. I thought That you was so good, it. right? That yeah. was so good. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Liam, what have you done lately that is whack? And what have you done lately that is on Trizak? Well, I guess we have... Although we should just call it on track, because I never say anything whack. Uh, well, okay, I have some, some whack stuff. Ready? Uh, I went to the doctor, and I am... Uh, I am. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say what? I don't know. It just sounds like it's going to be bad. Well, it's not as bad as it could be, but basically, okay. Okay. despite working out, like I've, I've been walking a lot and I've been trying to like, you know, so, so big reveal to people since I got my hand surgery, I have not been doing some of the stuff that I like to do for exercise because like one handed pushups. Oh, sorry. Uh, or any pushup. Like I just, <laughs> my hand was useless. And so I wasn't pulling uh, doing pull-ups or chin-ups or weights or anything, and I was you walk- could do a pull-up. Oh man! I, before my hand surgery, I could do four pull-ups. I've which never is not once in life done a pull-up ever in oh, life. Got like chin-up or bar? No, never did. The, back when I was in shape, I could do ten pull-ups and chin-ups. Ten of them? Yeah, 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 yeah. I it's it, been a, it's been a in while. like a day. Yeah, no, like in at once. Um, what? So here's here. I mean, in a pool. Oh my god, I hate you so much. <laughs> because I'm trying to gather my thoughts about something else, your interruptions, I'm like, I'm going to rage out right now. Because <laughs> I can't think of what I'm trying to say. Uh, <clears throat> so basically, yeah, I have, uh, you know, I was already gaining some weight before the pandemic. Then the pandemic really slapped it on. Uh, but since I started going for walks, right, I thought like, okay. I've been walking a ton, like almost every single fucking day. I'm going to be losing some goddamn weight. And I've only put weight on, like literally, like it's just more weight. So uh, that's frustrating to be like, what do I need? I mean, I guess in theory, I know what I need to do. Like whenever you talk about needing to lose weight, all people say is, well, you know what you need to do. You got to eat less and, and exercise yeah. more. And like, I get that that's true. But like, that's actually more daunting than it sounds when you don't know what you're doing. Like, I I'm not a fucking dietitian. 
I'm a type yeah. one diabetic on a budget who doesn't always know what I should be eating that I can afford or that I can make in time, especially as a parent when I'm making food for us and food for Maeve, you know, and then I'm, you know, the exercise thing I think is a little bit easier, but I don't, I don't know like workout stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's hard because I think because I have been gaining weight and I, it has been a long time since I've exercised, I kind of come across like I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's not that it's just like, I'm used to doing stuff in a gym context mm-hmm. and the stuff that I do at home is like, it's kind of all over the place. I don't really know what I'm doing or how much of it I should do. And I think something that's true of a lot of people who have ADHD is like, I have trouble focusing on my workout. Like I I'll straight up get distracted while I'm like fucking supposed to be doing stuff. So I, you know, it's not easy. It's just, it's just not easy. And I, so I went to the doctors basically and I realized that. And then I just have a whole bunch of other like, stupid health concerns right now and mm. uh, you know this has been the year of health concerns josh like from yeah i you know i'm waiting on adderall to come through i'm going to start on adderall i got a cpap i got my fucking lymph node removed and my hand operated on um i now have holy the, shit the side of my say it all at one time it's like this is so much no it's a it's been the worst fucking year when it comes Fuck, to my health man. i've put on like 35 pounds i have uh had two major surgeries like before now josh i've only had anesthesia twice in my life and i've had anesthesia twice in the same year you know uh and my hand that i had the surgery on still fucking hurts and now i have a new problem in my hand that they might have to operate on so that's fun and then i had my lymph node removed and the side of my face where the lymph node was removed is still numb and i have some sort of weird like try skin issue over there where I have to do this special medical cream on my fucking what? face. Yeah. It's like this whole fucking thing. Anyways, they not, gave you the medical creme too. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Buddy. So, it, and, and that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. That's just the stuff I'm willing to discuss on a fucking podcast. <laughs> so, you know, it's just been like whack. I'm, I'm just so glad that I have so many <sighs> on track. I mean, I don't always have so many, but I just feel like a, a, a lot of times I have recently had, so many good on track fun things to talk about because if it wasn't for those things. I don't know what the, like so many other things are whack, at least when it comes to my health, you know, my family's great. My daughter's beautiful. My wife is beautiful and wonderful. They're both really great people to be sharing a life with, but my body is bullshit and it's falling apart <laughs> and I don't know what to do about it. You know what I mean? Like I don't I have it. In. Yeah. And I'm just not the kind of dude that's like, all right, well, I guess I'll just start eating salads all day, every day. Like, it's I just don't have that kind of discipline and that kind of desire to deny myself. Now, I think because the you know this, the problem is also always like so uh, stigmatized and moralized. So like when I'm like, I don't want to like start eating salads all the time. People think then I must eat like four cheeseburgers a day. You know, it's not <laughs> like I'm out here going like I don't go to the buffet. You know no. what I mean? I don't yeah. eat a ton of food. But like, it's really easy as a diabetic to eat the wrong thing and have to jack up your insulin. And that insulin is a growth hormone. And then you put on fucking weight. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not easy. It's not impossible, but it's just not easy. So, nor is it fun is the other part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Fuck man. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you dog. It sucks. Okay. So as far as things that don't suck, I went and saw Nope and I don't think we've talked about it on here. We have not talked about it on here and you know what? It's deserving of its own episode, but. Before we get to it, I need to know what you thought about Nope. 
Oh, I fucking loved it. It was great. I I fucking loved it too. Have you talked to people that haven't loved it? I've heard some people talk about it. So I was going to say, here, here's a little tidbit, right? I know that um, you don't always keep up with our friend Dave White's show, Linoleum Knife. But recently not. they talked about Nope. And uh, Dave loved it and Alonzo did not. And I think for Alonzo and for some other people, for whatever reason, they didn't feel like the film came together for them. That it felt disjointed. And for me, I feel like that's... Uh, well, let's just say right now... I'm not going to do any spoilers. The movie's still too new to me to f- uh, and it's and it's so its own thing that I don't want to spoil it for anyone yet. I think when we do our episode about it, which I think we will do, we're going to have to fucking spoil it, right? Like there's just yeah. no way to talk about it without There's no way to talk about it in any great depth, right? Without telling what happened. But I don't think we're giving anything away by saying there's a whole theme around uh a, an animal attack on a kid show that's that uh Oh, what is the character? What is his oh, name? What's dude. that actor's name? Um, John Cho. No, um, Stephen Yun. Sorry, S- Stephen Yun. Yeah. Uh, his his um character as a kid was on this show, and this monkey go, you know, this chimpanzee. There's an event, and he mauls the people, whatever. Um, a lot of people who I think have been frustrated with the movie are like, "What did that have to do with the movie?" Now, for me as a film watcher, it's really fucking obvious what that had to do with the movie. But it's yeah. a, but, but but it's a thematic connection as well as a narrative connection, and I think because the thematic connection is actually stronger than the narrative connection, I think that didn't work for some viewers. Now, I have some very unfair judgmental ideas about that, but we're not a show that tries to shame people because they think differently than us. So yeah. I'm not going to like be pissy about it but to me for my taste the movie was amazing is to me it was better than his other two movies yeah period i loved it so much and there was a tidbit from that i didn't know from linoleum and if i wanted to share with you which is why i brought up linoleum knife was to say uh did you notice that there is a jody foster song on the soundtrack i did notice that there's a jody foster song on the soundtrack bro and think about that in the context of child stardom yeah. of uh of public the public eye and what that could mean. And also um, the idea that when things went wrong for Jodie Foster, the, when the guy who just got out of prison tried yeah. to kill Reagan in her name, she disappeared. She looked away from the public eye. She left the view. She looked down. Mm, I'm just saying, so I don't think you choose that song for no reason. You know, yeah. like I think there's yeah, a yeah, yeah. thematic connections there. So um, again, we're going to, I, I I'm glad you. I said also it. think that the T-shirts in the movie that were Jordan Peele's shirts, the bands that he listened to, yeah, are incredible. Because yeah, there's I a agree. Jesus Lizard shirt in there. One hundred percent. Like, when was the last time you saw an actual Jesus Lizard shirt? Well, I live in Chicago, so a couple times. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's different. Yeah, for you. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, cool. <laughs> no, totally. I I think it's. I think you're right. It is worth a in-depth episode. But I think we're we'd have to get into. All manner of sports. So I won't do those now. But I will say for me, the performances, the cinematography, the soundtrack, and then those thematic ideas all yeah. combine to make this my second favorite movie of the year. I think it's or possibly tied with everything yeah, everywhere. Everything all at once. everywhere all at once. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you, man. And it's funny too, because I talk to people that aren't film people like us. And a lot of people that aren't film people like us did not like it. That was what I saw. There's they just like, were really not into it at all. Yeah. 
which is like, I don't really know how to, you What's know. What's it, it like to be that wrong, I wonder? Okay. I just don't understand. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, I but I don't want to be, again, we're, we're not invested. I'm not here to judge, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. Like, Lord knows. I like a lot of dumbass shit, too. I have Fast and Furious tattoos. But, like, I'm just saying, you know, like, to have somebody be like, nothing happened in the movie. Like, what? Like, uh... I don't. I I have such a starky response to that, but it's a spoiler for the movie. Let's yeah. just say, considering some of the horrifying things that do happen in this movie, the idea that nothing happens in the movie is like almost offensive. Honestly, yeah, it's like so weird. I just <sighs> I don't understand it. Now I already talked about that bug and show that was on the last episode with Pete. Right? Yeah, I talked mm-hmm. about that. Um, I will say so. One of the things this isn't really entertainment related, but it, it was cool, so I'll mention it. We had a halfway birthday party for Maeve. So people will remember that Maeve's birthday is in January and we couldn't have a birthday party for her because Omicron was kicking ass in January. Yeah. So we just didn't do it. And she's been asking ever since about her halfway birthday. So this uh, past weekend, actually, the end of July, we scheduled a halfway birthday party for her and. Not a lot of kids could come because we definitely live in a place where kids go on vacation a lot, but it was still a, a, a good group. And I think they had a fun time. We rented out. a uh, We did like a party plan at one of these kids gyms. Where they have all these like bouncy shit and like big foam pits to jump into and nice. inflatable shit. And the kids just ran around for an hour and a half and they fucking loved it. It was great. <laughs> uh, it, that was just it, it like it just brought me so much joy. It made me really happy and I was really glad to get to do it. Um, the only other entertainment thing I want to mention is me and Suze finished The Boys. And when ah, I say when so I say good. finished, we had not watched a moment of it, Josh, like ah. two weeks ago. And in the course of like two weeks, we watched every fucking episode. Because it's all so, three seasons? You didn't yeah, see Whoa. Yeah. We just so ripped through good. it. We had not watched a second. We just kept putting it off and putting it off. Honestly, here's the deal. I was letting the source material color the movie or the TV show, because I just think Garth Ennis is overrated personally. Uh, I tried rereading really? preacher preachers trash. It's, it's bullshit trash and it sucks. Wow. And I never read preacher, but I know a lot of my friends were really into it. I so. was into it when it, came, I mean, I can't say when it came out, I started reading it after it was already a thing, but I did buy all the trades. I had the whole collection. In fact, I believe I gave my whole preacher collection to friend of the show, uh, Brian Yan. Cause I, yeah, I think I just gave them all to him because I just didn't want him anymore. Um, I think it was him. might have been somebody else. But I, I gave away all my preachers because I was just like, yeah, I don't care about this. You know, and I just got rid of it. Mm. And so uh, I. Is it not a good book? You know, I loved it at the time. To me now, it just feels. And I, and I think this is probably true of the boys, too. The original comic. It's just a little edgelordy. It just tries a little hard to be offensive. And in the case of Preacher. And I don't know if this is true about the boys. I never read the boys. But in the case of Preacher, there's some real human storytelling in the Preacher that that sometimes gets obscured by the need to be as fucking over the top as possible. And when I first read it, I found all of that stuff fun. Like I was like, yeah, oh, it's got to ask for a face and oh, this fucking thing. There was just so much stuff that I thought was like so funny. And I guess my sense of humor is just different now. I reread it and it wasn't bad but i just was like i really thought this was fucking funny and i didn't i wasn't i just didn't think it was funny anymore so i just was like "Eh, whatever and then when the boys came out and a lot of it was like a lot of the promotion sort of focused on how outrageous it was i was like oh i mean i'll watch it eventually but i it's not a priority 
But more and more people kept telling me, no, it's really, really good. So we finally gave in. And we were addicted after the first episode. I mean, episode one, we were just like, okay, well, now we have to watch all of this as yeah. soon as we can. It's really good. That's a great fucking show. Dude, and this last season was so good. It was so good. I, really, I love really the last it. season yeah, the most. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. just, wow, what a show. So it's, you know. It's no The Bear, but it is possibly one of my favorite shows right now. Maylani said that The Bear was triggering for her because she worked, you know, yeah. in the restaurant industry yeah. for a while. Yeah, it's like the best show I've ever watched. She watched like the couple episodes. I haven't seen it yet. Bro, you got to watch it. I think it's I think it'll get you. I think if you make it to the end, it's going to get you. But it is it is hard to watch because it's stressful. Right. Um, and then we started watching the new season of Harley Quinn, which is my favorite DC property. and. uh it's really fucking, it's still really good. I, we, I don't, I, you know, there's always a chance they could blow it, you know, especially yeah. in season three. That's a great time to blow something. But uh, first couple episodes have been really good. So, and you know, uh, we, we're not, the one thing we're not going to talk about because it's not out yet, comes out tomorrow, is the Sandman show. But I'm so excited for that. And I can't wait to check it out. Amazing. There you go. I That's never read Sandman either. Yeah. What? Bro, come on. I know, Neil Gaiman, and it's like the one that everybody should tells me, but I just haven't gotten around to it, man. I mean, it is what it is. I'm just surprised. If you weren't already such a comic book nerd, I wouldn't say anything. But because you are a pretty big comic book nerd, I'm really surprised you haven't given it some time. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, who knows? There's so much time to read all the stuff, right? Like, nothing could happen wrong that would end the world, right? It's fine. Yeah, totally it's fine. not like totally we're fine. on the yeah. edge of destruction or anything. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's fine. Um, so what have I done lately that was whack? And what have I done lately that is on track? So uh, on track, I finally saw Thor, Love and Thunder, and uh, I loved it. I, I don't know what great. the big deal I is. I had great. a great time. I mean, it was real fun, and I'm not there to not have fun. So guess what? I had fun. I mean, I get it. Like, I think some people felt like because it was so silly, it didn't take the themes of the movie as seriously as it could. Okay, I guess. Sure. Also, we don't get to see Gore butcher a lot of gods. I mean, he is the god butcher, and yeah. we don't see as much god butchery as we could have seen. I think that's actually fair. That's a that's the one criticism I was like, okay, I see that. But uh, but what we did get, I thought was really fun and charming. So like, yeah. I don't know. And you know how I felt about that ending. Uh, I, we won't say it necessarily yet. But mm. for me, as a dado, come on, that ending Oof. was. I was crying. I was uh, te tears of joy at the ending. Yeah, such brutality, such brutality. But yeah, no, I enjoyed it very much. Um. I saw the new A24 property uh, called Bodies, 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 starring oh, I really Pete Davidson. See oh, shit. I have something else to talk about after you talk about this. Okay. Well, I saw that new movie, and um, it was, I really enjoyed it very much. It's a, I really want to see it. It is a slasher whodunit, and uh, it is, it touches on so many themes of just adolescence today. And uh, just the, that moment of like, I don't know, after you say goodbye, but before you leave the party, like that weird in between moment of life that a lot of kids find themselves in right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this weird free fall. Um, but it's so good and it's so funny. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't want to spoil it. I will say that Pete Davidson was great in it. I will say that uh, the way it was shot, shot in a lot of natural light, but it takes place in like a house. 
You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. um, and it takes place during a hurricane. They're having like a hurricane party. And um, it's like a bunch of rich kids that are playing a game. And like, you just get into like the grimy underneath of their interpersonal relationships. And like a lot of stuff is a lot of a uh, show me, don't tell me kind of filmmaking, which, you know, that's what you're aiming for, you know? And it's very effective in that regard. Like, it's just so interesting that you get so much out of so little. Like, not that it's, like, little in terms of, like, what the story was, but you get so much out of the characters from from what they, the way they interact with each other. Not just saying, you know, yeah. things. It's yeah. so good. But it's, I thought it was really fun. I thought it was uh, interesting. It's like, I explained it to Scully because he saw it with me. And Melani and um, I was saying how it's like if Gaspar No redid Clue. Oh sure, yeah. That's my that's my opinion. <laughs> it's fucking great. Well, um, you you going to a press screening? I forgot. I went to a press screening on Monday. What did you I went see? And saw Bullet Train. I saw Bullet Train too. Okay. What did, also what did you think of Bullet Train? Uh it's fine. I mean, <laughs> I like Ryan Tyree Henry. I like Bradley Pitt. Um. It's a Chopsaki uh, train movie. Feels a little uh, appropriative, but what am I going to do? Michael Shannon's in it. Um, I I thought it was fine. It was, it's like a carb, Liam. Like, I, there's a lot I of think flavor I liked, there. I think I liked it more than you did, actually. Yeah. Um, I, my only major criticism is, is I mean, you, it, it's fair to say what you're saying about it being appropriative, but the idea of white people appropriating uh, Asian stuff for an action movie is so that's, you know, that, that, that was becoming a, a cliche in the eighties. So yeah. the idea of doing it now, I'm like, Oh, he's just being nostalgic for the eighties. <laughs> that's fine. But, uh, but the thing that bummed me out is it's, it's filmed in a modern way. It's, it is not yeah. a throwback to the eighties or the seventies no. in that it's all shaky cam close up shit with action that seems pretty good. You know, there's yeah. a lot of like kind of, there's a lot fighting. of great action in it. Actually, that's yeah. like the one and, thing. Well, and some of the, but I think some of it's film shitty, man. I don't like the super close up, So we can't see exactly what's going on. Like mm -hmm. it needed more mid shots. It needed more, um, full body shots. Mm -hmm. And now granted that's hard to do in a movie with Brad Pitt. Cause you know, he's not actually doing any of that shit. So like <laughs> they couldn't get the shots that I want, but it just makes the movie less fun for me. Um, mm. but one of the things I liked about it is that, so to give people a vibe, the movie is very, it's well, very Hong Kong action, but it's very overwritten. It is yeah super dialogue heavy and it's super plot heavy, despite being a mindless, a, a admittedly stupid action movie. There's still a lot of plot happening. There's a lot of connections, but what I liked about that is, um, there are no deus ex machinas which yeah. would be an easy way to get yourself out of a corner you wrote yourself into. Every weird fucking thing that happens has a reason. Now those reasons might be bad. And there are a couple of action moments where you're like, you can't fucking do that. Like when the guy <laughs> jumps on the train, I was like, come on, that's not a fucking yeah. thing. But if you're willing to suspend that amount of disbelief, disbelief, yeah. I think it was mostly fun, but it's also, and I think your reference of a carb is, is well taken. It's empty. There's nothing there. There's nothing there's there to no, think about. There's yeah, nothing there's there no to contemplate. Substance. Yeah, there's nothing to read into even. You know what nope, I mean? Like, nothing. It's very much like Brad Pitt to me. Like, well, you know what it is for me? A beautiful man. Uh, you know what it is for me, Josh? It yeah. is a uh, Hong Kong action Ocean's Eleven. Like, as much as I like those Ocean's Eleven movies, they are seafoam. 
They are <laughs> utterly empty of anything. They are fun. And, uh-huh. but it, you know, like take another movie that I think is very fun that didn't get the respect it deserves. The Nice Guys. Uh, yeah, super the, fun movie. But The Nice Guys has more actual emotional content than all of the Ocean movies and this movie combined could come up with. You know what I mean? Like The mm-hmm. Nice Guys still has like real characters going through real shit. And this movie, as much as I love Brad Pitt, like there's no character, like no one exists yeah. in this movie. And there's a lot of like pain, but you don't believe any of it. Cause it's all yeah. there just for like spectacle, which, yeah, it, which sounds super negative, but I had fucking fun, man. I had a lot of fun watching it. It was a good time. I fucking enjoyed it. But again, I couldn't tell you what happened in it. It's like I ate a whole bucket of popcorn. Like yeah. I really liked eating it. But I, afterwards, I wasn't like, well, now I'm satisfied with life. <laughs> you know, it's just it just happened, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but I will say, like, it's very stylistic. I do like uh, the few Asian actors in it who actually were allowed to be characters. Uh, I do like them. Uh, there and, was and, some weird like there was a bunch of weird people in it, though, like the one guy oh, yeah. from Heroes is in it. Uh-huh. And he's just playing like the train ticket taker guy. Uh, and then the girl from The Boys is in it. Uh huh. What the hell, man? Like, you're just going to put in these fact, people... In fact, I don't even want to talk about everyone who's in it because there were cameos that I straight up yelled out loud that I was like, yeah. oh, fuck. Like, I did not see coming. And it was great. Like, I, I loved all of that stuff. But again, like, okay, so a big draw for some people is that Bad Bunny's in it. And I like Bad Bunny in it. I think he's very good in it. But he's, what, less than 10 minutes? And then he's just no. dead the rest of the movie? And it's just <laughs> like, that's funny. That's a funny gag. But like... Anyone who's coming to the movie because they're like, I can't wait to see Bad Bunny's acting debut. I don't know that there's a lot of meat on that bone for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I listen to that Bad Bunny record, too. Yeah, and? I like it. I like it. I don't. I have no problem. It's not something that I listen to a lot of, but I understand why he's famous. Like, I yeah. think he's pretty good. And I think he's good in this role. It's a light role. He's not asked to do a ton, but he's good at what he does in the movie. It's pretty funny, man. Yeah. I got to say, it's yeah. great. And, uh, and it, yeah, gives, so. it gives me a chance for one of my favorite Brad Pitt moments when he goes, you stabbed me <laughs> <laughs> through the phone. Ah, oh, so good. So, so good. That's in the trailer. So that's not a spoiler, people, no, no, but no. I'm just saying. But uh, yeah, no, I'd say I'd give it a solid like C plus. That's where it yeah. sits for me. Yeah. Like, it's fine if you got nothing to do. You want to watch some action like that's a good ass time. If you're watching it with friends, it's also like a fine like party kind movie. But if you're looking for anything deeper than like skin, then oh, you're yeah, not no, going to no, no. get it. Yeah. It's like a it's, summertime. Like we've been at the pool all day and now we want to go see a movie at like yeah. nine o'clock at night. Perfect. Especially Perfect. if you see it. I it worked. I saw it in IMAX, and I I really liked oh, yeah. it in IMAX. Too. It was super fun, just big IMAX, great time, great time. So yeah, Bullet Train on track. Um, I mean C plus is barely on track, but we'll count it because it wasn't a bummer. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I will also say that I saw a movie called DC's Super Pets, and um, that was ridiculously fun. Oh, okay, that's good to hear. It. I mean, Keanu Reeves plays Batman. I, the, the rock is in it it's like uh, and and kevin hart I, it's it's one of those movies that you're like i i brought my niece and my nephew you know to watch it and i was like oh uncle joey's gonna do a thing and get you see movies and like it was cool you know what i mean like i felt i felt pretty cool it's one of those movies where if you're an adult there's a lot to take away from it that's all i'm saying like kids enjoy it because you know it's talking dogs and uh there's just so many gags in it that makes so much fun 
of the it takes the piss out of a lot of the DC stuff. Like it's so funny, you know what I mean? And you're just yeah. like, what in the world is going on? This is genius. I will say it's a little long for an animated feature. It is an hour and 45 fucking minutes long. Yeah. There great. is no need for an animated movie for children to be that long. No need. But um, that said, other than the length of it, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought it was fun. Joe Benella enjoyed it thoroughly. So 100% advocate for watching that. That's a good thing. Uh, other on-track stuff that I did. I saw Christian Lee Hudson at World Cafe Live this week. Do you know who he is? No idea. He is a singer-songwriter. He's like a guitar player. He's like real virtuoso kind of player, you know? He opened for the Magnetic Fields the last time I saw them here, and I was completely taken by his music. And uh, I got to see him at World Cafe Live, and he played a bunch of stuff off his new record, Quitters, which I would highly uh, advise listening to if you're into the softer Nick Drake-style folk music. Um, he's a really funny songwriter, though, and he gets to be ribald from point to point, but he's also very heartfelt and very sincere, and it's really, really kind of in my lane as far as what I like to listen to. Um, another record that came out this week is the new Lizzo record, and let me tell you, that record is fucking awesome. It's so good. It's like listening to a veil for the first time for me. It's so awesome. There's a song on there called Bitch, I Love You, and it's a love song to herself. And <laughs> the chorus is, I love you, bitch. It's so good. It's so, 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 so good. So uh, advocate for listening to that, the new uh, Lizzo record. It's called, um, what's it called? It has, it's like one word. Uh, I don't have my phone on me, which is probably bad for this episode. But yeah, I don't know what it is. You just it, it, Google Lizzo. You'll see it. And um, I also managed to go to the Free Public Library yesterday to listen to Kate Schatz and W. Kamau Bell discuss their new workbook for adults, Do the Work. And it is a workbook primer on how to be actively anti-racist. And it was awesome. It was uh, W. Kamau Bell and uh, Kate Schatz talking to uh, Mark Lee. Um, he's a professor from Temple. He's in the in the Cosby doc, so he's friends with uh, Kamau. And I, I he owns... Uh, Uncle Ray's books on um on Germantown Ave. I can't think of his oh, name. Oh right yeah, 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 yeah. And uh so they talked about the book. The book is incredible, Liam. It is so funny. But it's a and uh Kamal Bell talked about it yesterday, how he's like, look, it's for adults, so there's gonna be some curse words in there, but also it's funny. So he's like, I want you to look at this book and then be like, oh, they're not bullshitting because <laughs> like it addresses genuinely serious topics of privilege and race. And, uh, but it's done in a way of humor and it's a workbook. So it's got like, they, they gave us one page from it that was like, check your privilege. And then it had a whole list of things that if you checked it off, like that's your privilege. And like the items were like, if you own a golf course, if you're white, if you're a cisgendered male, and it was like you, the object of the activity is that you check off all the things and you take a step back and you're like, look at all these privileges that I have. How do I use this to help people who don't have these privileges? Sure. It's so good. It was such a cool time. And uh, it was awesome hearing them talk about it. And then afterwards, uh, Melani and I bought a copy of the book and we stood in line and we got it autographed. So that was pretty cool, too, is I got to shake their hands and be like, hey, thanks. Is, uh really appreciate, you know, you guys talking. It's good to hear your thoughts. You know, That's but great. I I love W. Kamau Bell. Like I love him. I think he's hilarious. All of his stand-up specials are great. Uh, Shades of America is great. Like he's awesome. He's such a cool person. 
And it's funny too, because one of the salient points that he had at the talk at the talk last night, he was like, I'm not a knowledgeable person. I consider myself a conduit to other people who are smarter than me. Sure. And uh, yeah. and so he he uses what he perceives as his privilege to connect people who are actual knowledge instead of him being the director to knowledge. It was right. such a funny talk. It was awesome. So if you if you see the book, it's called uh, Do the Work. 100% think that that's a, a worthy time to read for all races. It's definitely cool to just like all races and all dispositions and all, uh, you know, constitutions. 100% think that you should read this book because it'll make you a better ally or it'll open your eyes to the things that you may or may not be aware of in terms of your own privilege and what your responsibility is with that privilege. I appreciate so, that. Yeah. W. Kamau Bell. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah, me too. I got to have dinner with W. Kamau Bell. No shit. Yeah, but it was it was in a group of like 10 people. But yeah, when he came to Lafayette, I was part of the team that brought him to Lafayette. And then we did a dinner with a bunch of the students. And, you know, I didn't say shit because it was obviously for the students. Yeah. And not for a random employee guy. But I got to be in there and I was like, oh, man, he's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing a Run the Jewels shirt. It was yeah. funny. It was cool, man. It was yeah. it was definitely a good speaking engagement. Cool. All right. Well, I guess we should take a break and come back and talk about these movies. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot to say. So after the break, we'll be discussing Eric Bogosian's sex, drugs, rock and roll. And we'll be discussing Spalding Gray's Swimming to Cambodia after the break. Tunes 
What are we talking about uh, today? Well, we're talking about uh, Eric Bogosian. Bogosian? Is that, did I say his name right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, his film Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll. And uh, Spalding Gray's Swimming to Cambodia. Uh, now, you chose both of these, Josh. Tell me, you know, where, where did that come from? What is your relationship to these movies? I guess let's start with, do you want to start with Spalding Gray or Eric Bogosian? I'll say Spalding Gray because Spalding Gray right. is the first one I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start there. What What's your relationship to that movie? Why Why this movie to talk about? Go Go into it. Okay, so uh, for those of you who don't know, my history with movies was the thing that started really when I started working at a mom and pop video store in Bayonne, New Jersey, because I was teaching over there and I was also working in a tattoo shop, but I didn't have anything else to do during a lot of the weeknights. <laughs> So, because I wasn't playing music back then, Liam, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't doing, like, the actual thing. And, uh, but, you know, who's doing the actual thing in your mid-20s when you don't really know what you're doing with life in general, you know? So, I got a job at a video store, and I remember Tarantino saying, you know, he didn't go to film school, he watched films. So, the, the video store that I worked at, Broadway Video, big up to Drew Safranco, who was my boss and owner of the establishment. Um, I was his only employee. And it was me and him that ran the store. You know, he was urging the day. And then after I was done teaching, I'd go there and I'd run it at night and he'd go home. And it was like one of those gigs where um, nobody came in. It was Bayonne Video Store, like video cassettes. This is like talking like maybe 99 to 2002, like around there. 2000 to 2002. And um, all I would do is sit there for eight hours a day at the end of my like school day and grade papers and watch movies and Spalding Gray's Swimming to Cambodia was one of the ones that I saw that caused me to watch the killing fields, you know what I mean? But also that caused me to just examine further just the aspects of performative storytelling like this. And um I I can't say that I've seen a lot of one person monologue kind of things. Sure. But I do have an interest in it and I do like watching it when I do get a chance to see it. Like Milani and I got to go see uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in New York City do a play called Seawall, A Life. It was him and another British actor guy. And basically what it was was two monologues from each person. It split in like it was a two act thing. Like the first act was one, second act was the other. And um, yeah, I fucking love it. I wanted to see Chaz Palminteri do the whole uh, the Bronx Tale thing on his own. He, he doesn't want me to play that. Um I know shit's just fucking cool to me. And it all stems from this movie in particular because Spalding Gray is such a weird character, right? Like he ended up killing himself. He committed suicide after a severe car accident that he got into that caused him to have like a lot of physical problems and stuff like that. And that is like a few years after this movie comes out, but he was like a poet and he was an actor. 
wild wildlife this guy wildlife and this movie was where i discovered him yeah i man so i i think it's important to say that spalding gray is a monologuist and that despite the fact that he is an actor there's not a ton of acting in this or his other pieces you know yeah um whereas the other thing we're going to be discussing eric bogosian that's the sort of one man show where he becomes characters and it's still a monologue because he doesn't uh, create the illusion of dialogue, which would be a real bummer, but he, Mm. it is different characters, which is different than this. This is like Spalding Gray's reflections on the experience of making the killing fields. And this was definitely the first thing I saw that was like this ever. And I saw this, this is going to be crazy, Josh, for you. I saw this when I was like 10 or 11. What? I don't know. What does a 10 or 11 year old do with this movie? Uh, For a long time, it made me want to do something like this. I was like, this is amazing. Parts of it were hard for me to follow. I got a little bored at times, mm. despite there being sexy talk. Uh, it, you got bored did, during the sexy talk? No, not necessarily. But like, <laughs> it, not every aspect of the movie sucked me in. But it was like, I don't know if my mom showed it to me on purpose or if her and George were watching it. And I just happened to catch it. But I, I saw this really young. Maybe I was twelve. I don't know exactly. But I wasn't a teenager yet because I'm very um, cognizant of the sorts of things I was watching as a teenager and how I was watching them, which is almost always alone or with friends. I didn't really Mm -hmm. watch things with my mom anymore when I was a teenager. But when I was a kid, this is one of the things I watched with my mom or with George or somewhere. It certainly wasn't on fucking TV. And I remember one of the reasons it stuck with me, besides the fact that he's just sitting there, right? That was amazing to me. And I just thought like, fuck, I want to, I want to be that person. Right. Uh, The other thing that was so amazing to me was he was talking about how fucked our government was, which I had yeah. some idea of because at that point I'd started listening to Public Enemy. So and 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 <laughs> as well as Ice Cube and a bunch of rappers who were telling me like, uh, you know, the government's not on your side. And I was like, it's not. And I kind of, <laughs> I guess at some, I guess I felt that way to some extent my whole life that mm. maybe something was wrong. Uh, but like my tweens, right was uh-huh. when I first started to feel that really strongly because of hip hop. And so by the time I transitioned to punk in high school, you know, if, if you've been listening to nonstop to like angry rap music, right. Uh, and by the way, living color vivid. And then you hear crass. It's like, okay, same, basically same team, different flavor for sure. Yeah, Very different yeah, flavor. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're, we're all dis- disliking the same people here. This works <laughs> for me. Uh, and so I've been on that vibe for a long time, actually. So, uh, so that part where he's talking about our the Role ways that the U.S. The, government yeah. were were was part of the rise of Pol Pot, yeah, whether we the, wanted to be or not. The and Khmer Rouge. S- side yeah. note, by the way, it's crazy watching this now because at the time this felt revelatory. This is some yeah. inside knowledge. Spalding Gray's revealing the world to me, and this is like the secret thing that we don't talk about. Now I know because I saw this movie, and now having listened to any number of podcasts or read things about, I'm like, Oh, what a naive and basic view Spalding gray had of this thing. <laughs> because it's like, yo man, here's a fucked up thing. Pol Pot almost never really got along well with the Vietnamese. So we did a lot of stuff for him. I mean, some of the first shit that the Moonies did 
uh, on the behalf of the Western powers was to work with fucking Pol Pot. And, yeah. you know, even, even once Pol Pot was fucking, um, when he was, uh, deposed right he still didn't leave he was still around and he was part of some organizations that the u.s helped fund even after he had done all the killing so Mm. like the shit's even messier than he makes it sound in the movie but you know it's still a good primer and it really got me stoked so uh when you said this movie josh i was fucking elated because i hadn't watched it since i was a kid and i was like oh shit i can't wait to see this and see what i think of it now yeah yeah how did it how did it age for you well i'm gonna ask you first sir because you chose well, I still liked it. I was still wrapped the way I was when I saw it the first time in that mm-hmm. video store by myself. Because he's a commanding storyteller. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. He is such a powerful orator. Like, he tells this story with a vim that can only come from him, from what I can tell. Because I don't know much about Spalding Gray outside of the Killing Fields in this. And saying that you know Spalding Dre from the Killing Fields is also like not really saying much either. You know what I mean? Like, it's this is where you see the artist exposed. And right. um, man, I I still found it to be just as powerful. I yeah. still found it to be just as inspirational. In as much as like just like how you said, like you know, I kind of like discovered this monologuing through this. Yeah. And but here's but here's my question. This is where it left me though, Josh. Which is, what if this is, like, it, imagine right your only exposure and your initial exposure and you're in to all country music is Johnny Cash, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily predict a, a a a positive future in your in your explorations of country music. You know, right? It yeah. really depends on what direction you go after that, right? My worry here is. Is it possible that swimming to Cambodia is like, when it comes to film at least, the best possible scenario for this sort of thing, and that other versions do not succeed as well as this does? I definitely think that that's true. Yeah. Because how could it be? Yeah. He, he, you have him, and then you have Jonathan Demi, and that's the thing to say. Like, Yeah, Jonathan th- Demi filmed this whole thing. Well, in theory, this is all done in front of a crowd, right? And I do yeah. believe that parts of it were. But come on, not every part of this was done in front of a crowd. There are Definitely different not. shots. There are shots of his hands touching thing on the desk. There's like light effects and sound effects and shit. Like there's some trickery going on here. Mm-hmm. But I didn't mind any of that. And I know that parts of it were shot in front of a crowd because I believed you could the hear awkward the laughter. Yeah. There's awkward laughter that is not canned. Mm-hmm. But I, I suspect he did it once in front of the crowd and then did it a second time without the mm-hmm. crowd. And then they edited it together in the editing bay. That's what makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, but it's not all parts of it are rough. Like there are parts where he has trouble catching what he's going to say. And that adds to the performance. If it was all smooth the whole time, it would feel fake. You'd think that they yeah. had cut and chopped it all together. Yeah, you're right. It's those humanity moments that peek out between a well, what I I find to be a well-rehearsed performance. Yes. Right. It's like the parts, it's like the notes that you don't play line. You know what I mean? Like it's so good. And that's so, part of the performance, yeah, right? Like yeah. that humanity is what shines through in those moments of, of uh, just when you lose it. So on this watch, I was still struck by that. I also was reminded, and this comes up a little bit more in the other film we're going to discuss. I was also reminded about why I kind of left some of the stuff behind because as beautiful and wonderful as it is in a lot of ways, there is a bit about this whole thing 
that is kind of an ego trip, you know? It's yeah, sort of like sure. his mind. And he's self-deprecating enough that it works, but the parts that were probably super cool in 87 when this came out, I believe. Yeah. Uh, is that, I think that's right. This In 87, that were like sort of like fun, touchy-feely hangovers from uh, the hippie time into the new mm. age stuff of the 80s. It was so cornball now. Like some of the stuff that he says, I was kind of like, Oh God. All right. Like it just didn't feel like real to me. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I thought you were going to say that definitely struck me is there's a little bit of uh, uh, Orientalism going on here. There's a little bit of yeah, like uh, Eastern I mean, fetishism going on here. But it was just one a of little things bit. though, where you're just like, well, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like he was making the killing fields. You know? I know, man, but it's the, it's there in a way that I was unaware of. And it's not yeah, just that no, I only it, saw it this when I was 12. I rewatched this again in my 20s, and I still didn't notice how much exoticism there was. But on this yeah. watch, I was like, okay, Spalding, pull back just a little bit. I mean, not that the section about uh, the sex workers shooting things out of their vagina doesn't have some humorous aspects to it, but there's also just a general feeling of like, the way he describes the country and the culture and the mysticism of it all uh, is meant to be sympathetic. And it actually comes across a little, a little uh, pandering. Yeah. A little like, yeah. Yeah. It comes across a little like Christopher Columbus saying like, listen, white people, this is what it's like over there. That's the vibe let that me, I got. Let me tell you about the mystical East. Yeah. Well, I don't know, Spalding. I don't know if I need you to do that. <laughs> I'm okay with it, but you know, but the parts that are about him, yeah, Except those are the parts that are so yeah. resonant and yeah. so much the perfect depiction of an artist in struggle. I did find myself wishing it was even more political than it is, um, mm. but it, he sort of says at the beginning that he's not a very political guy. So I think it's actually quite political it, for him, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, it's quite honest about the politics of it all. It, it, I think it could have gotten into a little bit more of it, especially in 87 it's not like things were over like things were still complicated then too but uh but i understand that like that's not his style and and it is more about himself Mm. in a real way and i thought the the ways that they cut in parts of the movie the killing fields yeah that was pretty tasteful beautiful well done i think it just really worked i think so in fact let me pull back and talk about the whole thing as a film as a film jonathan demi fucking killed this thing yeah he did as much as this is spalding gray being brilliant this is Jonathan Demi being brilliant. And in fact, I, if I have any criticisms of the thing, it's the parts where I think Spalding Gray is being not bad, but just a little like, oh God, all right. But mm-hmm. like the filming of it, the way it's edited, the sound effects, there's no part Even of the visual the, like choices that they make, like using yes, the map and yes. using the pointer, like yes. those asides that aren't asides because they're part of the story. Right. That stuff is so tastefully yes. done. In such a way that's still artistic. And it really adds to the narrative of it all. Yeah, I agree. Oh man. It's it's a really so good. amazing thing. And it is and again, for those of you who when I say one man show and you're picturing John Leguizamo being his aunt on stage, uh which by the way, I watched his one man show and it it's it's bad, but also kind of a feat of performance and what it is. I've seen him workshop his uh Latin history for dummies yeah, one. Yeah. And that yeah, was yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, so, but it's not that don't picture, you know, Spawning gray isn't wearing a dress and a fake wig or anything like that. This is a narrative and he does kind of portray some people he interacted with, 
but um, it's not over the top. He just gives you no. a sense of who they are and a little bit of their accents. I will say the the narrative, it, considering it's 1987, the way he keeps talking about his South African friend is a little distracting to me because I'm like, when it's like, oh, I could never drown him from South Africa. And he just keeps talking about being South African. And then I'm like, yeah, you, you mean apartheid South Africa? You mean the yeah, apartheid mean, nation of South Africa? <laughs> you mean free Nelson Mandela era? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. where we're at in 87, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But still, that being said, it's still, oh my God. it, it It's it still such a theatrical feat yeah, that I yeah. 100% would love to see that done. Like, if I could have had a chance to see that performed, you know, before he died. Well, that was going to be my next question. Do you think the film is better than the performance would have been in, in person or not. That's what, that's what I couldn't decide. I don't, I don't know. I, I think, think that the performance in person would have been a different experience altogether, just yeah. because seeing somebody struggle and perform live just lends itself to a much more different connection to the art. Yeah. And filmed is always going to be filmed. It's static. You know what I mean? Like it's what it is. And you know, it's 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 done and he's dead and that's what it is. And there's never going to be the same kind of connection that you'd get from seeing that live. I. Uh, I think it's worth saying that there are going to be people like obviously some people aren't going to want to watch this period because it's a filmed performance, right? Monologue. Yeah. Monologue. That's just not up their alley. But I think uh, for other people, the issue is not that it's not a, a traditional movie. But that a monologue in and of itself is like too much art. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I was actually thinking ego. It's too much one man's perspective. I mean, this is a man who's taking the suffering of however many million people in the Khmer Rouge uh, genocide, right? Yeah. One of the largest genocides in modern history. And then also making it about him like and his fight with his <laughs> girlfriend. You know what I mean? And yeah, him needing no. to have like the perfect moment and all this stuff. So like. For some people, that's going to be alienating to be like, yeah. how can you squish all this stuff together? For other people, though, who might be listening, that's the way they don't want to listen to a podcast about Pol Pot slaughtering people because they wore glasses. That's like not something they're ever going to do. But this more personal story that yeah. involves the, sex the and drugs and moment. Yeah, 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 and experiences and stuff. And then it also has this information, not the most amount of information, but definitely important information about the history of this country, uh, uh, this country and the country he's in Cambodia. And then he even includes some Thai stuff as well. Um, this might be the way for them to do it. And I think that's okay. Um, I'm still, I'll tell you, Josh, I'm so impressed by this on rewatch, how good it is. I'm still feeling a little ambiguous about the idea of it in the first place. Yeah. That like, because I'm someone, I mean, straight up, you could picture me talking for two hours in front of people sitting at a desk. Yeah. I could do that easily, easily do it. And I've never even tried to do this after my initial infatuation with the idea when I was a kid, because it just was like, who the fuck cares what I think? My life is not nearly as interesting as someone like Spalding Gray. I know. I was there and tell a story. Fields. Yeah. Like what the fuck, you know? Um, and so like, I, I get, I, I empathize with the people for whom this is too much fucking ego for that it's too much his life it's too personal yeah. while it's also political and that doesn't bum me out that much but i just wanted to say it because i know there are going to be listeners who are like how can you even sit through that and i'm like well i don't know it's pretty impressive and it's well filmed and 
I like the stories. Again, parts of it are going to be also a little problematic for people, but just imagine it's 1987 and he's doing the best he can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, he is a, there's a lot to take in for sure that you have to have the caveat of like, this is a white man in Hollywood in 1987. Yeah. Take that into consideration. Yeah. A a weird white hippie too. Like he definitely has that vibe, you know? For sure. For sure. Oh man. Okay. Then what the transition now? Yeah. What did you think of sex, drugs, rock and roll? Oh, see, I was going to ask you why you chose it. What's up with this movie? Why, why are we talking about this movie? I couldn't think of another movie to pair with uh, <laughs> Spalding Grace movie to a Cambodian. Oh, uh, okay. So okay. it's like, I don't want to do the killing fields. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. too much of a picture, you know? So I was like, well, what else is a performative? There's, I mean, my other one person telling a story show is, of course, Hedwig, right? But the movie sure. isn't that. It is not. So what's another? And then Melania's like, did I ever tell you about the fact that, uh, I one time saw Eric Bogosian on the train in New York City, and I just talked to him the whole ride. It's like, yeah, Eric Bogosian. Let's let's talk about. It. And he was in the stuff. I don't know. Let's. I mean, okay. I love. I wouldn't say love. I appreciate Eric Bogosian, and I love him in a few things. But I haven't seen everything he's done, so I don't want to like. Yeah, oversell I definitely it. haven't either. But the, it did the seem like I've an, seen. I really like. It seemed like an interesting companion piece because it's so. I mean, both of these things are works of ego. Yeah. Right. Well, but this one, okay, but, so this thing, y'all, is very much the this stereotype is, of a one-man show. This is the theater kid version of a one-man yeah. show. I mean, even like, this is, comes out in the 90s, right? This is 91 or 92? Yeah, 91. So when I say my man comes out, it's 1991. He comes out in the crisp, boxy blue Oxford, tucked into <laughs> black Levi's, worn out black Levi's with a black belt. And black Reeboks on, you are picturing the fucking cool professor vibes, you know, yeah. the fucking, oh, I'm an artist, I'm a writer vibes from the 90s that this guy has. And this is what he wears on stage for his one man show. The minute he came out, Josh, I was like, uh oh, uh oh, I don't know what I'm getting myself into here. And um, this is everything you think of with a one man show. It's like, yeah, I've got a character, and this character's loud, and this character's soft, and this one's gonna say fuck a lot. And, and these this are one's all got these... a British accent. And yeah. This one smokes. Yeah, I get okay. it. Let me let me talk about. I, I had to say the outfit thing though because it just struck right. You can picture this guy in these yeah. black. Oh, it's a fancy party. I'll wear my black jeans. You know, like oh, or or definitely he's like the you. He's the professor that has the yeah. earring. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah. um, let me talk about the positives first, which is um, there are a few moments here where he gets close to having a take on society, right? And some of those are actually pretty good insights. Like, I feel like yeah. under the surface, there's some interesting ways of presenting ideas that, you know, I think is good. And there are moments that are genuinely funny. Um, it's funny you brought up the British one because I think the British one, he's doing the least amount, not the least, but he's doing some of the least amount of acting. Like there are parts of this thing where he is fucking acting in all capitals, not just a capital yes. A, all capitals. The British one where he's, he's basically like a version of, of Keith Richards, but he's not playing Keith Richards, you know, but it's uh, some, something like a British rock star or whatever. That part has some real fucking funny moments. There are, so there are some lines in that section that I was like, Oh man, my man is killing it right now. But uh, a lot of the other humor in it 
doesn't work for me. I just didn't find it that funny. And despite occasional moments of insight, a lot of this was like super boring for me, man. Like I just, I had trouble connecting with it. And in the end, it just was like, bro, I just can't believe you got up for two hours and did all this. And to what end? Like it, yeah. it, it, it almost feels like a one man skit show where he's just doing a bunch of like short things he wrote up, but it's not improv. Right. Yeah. And I think he thinks they're all very insightful and cutting. And I'm sure the reviews said that they were all very insightful and cutting, but in 2022, I'm like, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a, this guy's, this one's old. This is an old man in New York. Okay. All right. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's sort of a, sort of a metal dude. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I guess. All right. Like it just didn't feel like the whole point of this is like, he's giving you different slices of life to give you insight to the world. And instead it just felt like a mess. It felt like it, it yeah. needed a singular vision and it didn't fucking have it, which is not something you want to say about a one man fucking show that there's not one vision unifying the whole thing. I mean, that's the thing though, right? Like you read his bio and the one thing that you know about Eric Bogosian in film in the nineties is that he is the everyman. He's the ultimate character actor. Sure. And this whole one man performance just felt like a resume for that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is to say like, not that it was bad, like it was well-performed and I get it. You know what I mean? But also it just seemed to be compared to Spalding gray. This exercise was focused a lot more on hubris. And both of them are egomaniacisms, right? Like they're both like 100% like my perspective. Like it's not the Liam being like, well, what the fuck am I going to talk about for two hours? This is like, a, these are two people who are like, this is what you paid for, baby. You know what I mean? But the Eric Bogosian one is a little bit more like, this is theater. There's a certain um, pretense. There, uh, well, let's say this. There's a certain pretense to Spalding Gray's sort of fake humility of sitting behind the desk and it's just sort of a journal and it's just sort of his ideas. And so someone might feel turned off by that because I feel like it's fake and the Bogosian, I'm an actor on stage with an abstract set <laughs> and I'm owning the stage. <laughs> that that might feel almost more real because it's a full ownership of his ego. It's a full embrace of the performative nature of it all. But for me, it was a fucking bummer. I don't like this sort of, and yeah. this is what kept me from doing it. Right. If I'm seeing swimming to Cambodia and that's it, right. Then of uh -huh. course I want to do fucking monologues and shit like that. This guy's fucking amazing. And yeah, I would hopefully do it in a way that was a, a little less cringy at times, but I, I was kind of drawn but to that it. changes with the times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But as I saw other people do similar things, I've never seen this one before, but I've seen people do this sort of thing. Like what Eric Bogosian is doing, it started to feel more and more like, Oh, this is a real jerk off thing. And like, it's not that you can't do this jerk off thing and be good at it. It's totally possible. But the risk of coming off like a total asshole is really there. I mean, uh, it, it's his thing. He wrote the whole fucking thing. He performs the whole fucking thing. I guess there are people who like help him direct it or do lighting. Somebody filmed it, filmed it, but a lot of it rests on his shoulders. So when it falls as flat as this does, it makes you that much more mad at him that he took this whole goddamn thing on and took up 
two hours two of your hours. time to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. The Spawn and Grey one isn't two hours long. No. Yeah, this one was definitely two hours long. It was a lot of hours. A lot of hours. I mean, I don't know. Do you think maybe it's because this wasn't filmed by Jonathan Demi? Uh, so that Do you was think if we had so a more capable director at the helm, it would have been able to flesh it out in such that it would be less weirdly self-centered? This is my caveat. This is the caveat I've been thinking about for days that I wanted to ask you about. Is it possible that swimming to Cambodia, right? And I've seen the other Spalding Gray ones, or at least one of them. Um, like and, Grey's Anatomy? I think it was Grey's Anatomy, yeah, but it wasn't yeah. the, the other one. There's another one, too, that I forget what it's called. Anyways, um, but let's just say swimming to Cambodia, maybe it's just that swimming to Cambodia is the best case scenario. And any other version of this thing, other than swimming to Cambodia, is going to be bad. Like, so for, like, mm. let me compare it to another art form, right? There are people who love those movies that are like the germination of slashers, and then they hate slasher movies, right? Yeah. Or they love that record that was the first one to do this thing, but then when everyone else started to do whatever the thing was, they fucking hate that, right? Yeah. Maybe it's just that Spalding Gray's Swimming to Cambodia is just the best case scenario, and we're never going to get anything else that even compares. Now, granted, this fucking thing with Bogosian lived as a stage thing for a while before they filmed it. They, he didn't do it to be filmed. He was mm. doing it as a stage thing and then they filmed it. Right. So maybe yeah. as a stage play, it worked better, but I've seen one man shows on stage granted with actors, half, maybe even less than half the talent of Eric Bogosian. So let's mm. just acknowledge the man is talented, but I still had the same general vibe of like, Oh fuck for two hours. We're going to do this. <laughs> like, yeah. how, why do you think I want to watch you do this shit for two hours? <laughs> And, and have it end on nothing. Like yeah, my, there is no continue. No. There's no contiguous line to be. There's no thread. You I'd almost I mean? rather it be like the worst version of this for a lot of people is this is a one man show of my life. And then they're, they're playing their uncle. They're playing their fucking, uh, aunt, yeah. they're doing whatever they're playing. their the girl that they wanted to make out whatever like that. Right. That seems like the worst case scenario. But for me, for this kind of thing, I'd rather that in some cases, because at least there's a through line there. I'm following yeah. a through line narrative. One person, yeah. Now, now, granted, you could do one that's thematic. So um, uh, this is not a one-man show, but it's a series of monologues, right? Uh -huh. uh, the Remember when the vagina monologues were very popular, right? Yeah. People were really mm -hmm. into them. And, you know, some people hate them, whatever. I, I don't have a political take on them. But what I will say is that they at least were joined by a, a clear theme, right? There are different Vagina. stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, 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 and all the different ways we could think about the, what they related to. I think in, in retrospect, maybe having something called the vagina monologues uh, is a little bit transphobic, but whatever, let's leave that aside. The point is, is that there was something that united it. Here's a one man show with one guy who wrote all this shit. And it's not clear to me other than the fact that it's him and that they all these things represent some aspect of the male experience because he doesn't play any women in the thing. So these are all men. Other than that, I don't know what the themes are that are supposed to unite this thing. There's no yeah. narrative connection, which is fine, but if there's, but there's no, no narrative no, connection, no there has to be a thematic yeah. connection. Yeah. yeah. There's no, there's no connection from, from bit to bit. What I think the ideas is supposed to be modern. Life. I almost think the, the film that you could compare this performance to would be slacker, right? But it's okay. lacking all of the art and subtlety of slacker. 
because it's some guy yelling his ass off on stage. You can't, it's, <laughs> I, it's easy to say there's no unifying theme to Slacker, though I would argue Austin is the unifying theme of Slacker. And right. if you don't see that, you're not paying attention. But let's assume that Austin doesn't count. There's no unifying theme to Slacker, but it at least pulls you along because of its artistry, right? And because yeah. of what you're seeing. And this is just a guy yelling on stage. And it's hard to see how there's a connection here. I think that in order for this to be a palatable thing, it's the vehicle that has to be the engaging point, right? You have to be an Eric Bogosian fan in order for this yeah. to mean anything to you. Yeah. And for me, I just am not acquainted enough with the man's catalog. I don't know Eric Bogosian other than my wife rode a train with him once. Like, other than that, I got nothing for you, man. Like, I don't know. Like, if I were to see any one person who's not a person that I know anything about just do a whole bunch of different roles, it's just going to feel like what this felt like, which is an audition tape. Well, and the only way this... I, I also just don't think with each of these little vignettes he does... You can actually build enough empathy to be fucking relatable and emotional. So a lot of this shit ends up being funny, right? Yeah. And I'm sorry, Eric Bogosian is not a fucking stand-up comedian. This is what it boils down to, right? That I worry to some extent that people who do this sort of thing, they just want to be stand-up comedians, but they mm. don't have the fucking balls to do it. So instead yeah. he does this whole show, and the only parts that really are effective are the comedic parts and all the dramatic parts you're not with these characters long enough in my mind for them mm. to impact you, at least in this thing. Now there are probably counterexamples of other one man shows that do that. But mm. this one for me, I was like the only parts that are kind of interesting are the parts that are funny. And he relies on a lot of the same jokes and they're not that funny. Yeah, I would agree. It's man, just I'm, fine. I'm very yeah. glad that you agreed with me. I really thought that you already liked this thing. When you pick this, this is a reveal to the audience. When Josh suggested this combo, I got the vibe that you had already seen this thing. So I was like, no. oh, no, what if I'm about to tell Josh that I really didn't like this thing that he loves? I feel kind of bad, but uh, I didn't like it. I, I didn't, uh, Granted, I didn't hate it, but much like I suspect swimming to Cambodia is the best case scenario for this sort of filmed thing, right? Mm -hmm. The reality is this Eric Bogosian thing is not the worst case scenario for one of these yeah, things. For and it's sure. only because the floor is so low that I didn't hate this thing. Cause I'm like, well, at least he doesn't suck. Like yeah. people do this who can't even fucking act and they right. do this. So like my man doesn't suck and it's filmed. Okay. I just don't know why I'm watching it. The other bit is that the Spalding gray one was the one that I watched first. And oh, it's not me. so, I, the other way. I, I started with Spalding gray and I love it so much. I love it so much, Liam, that this is this didn't have a chance. If I watch this first, I mean, maybe, but I don't really think, because that's the thing, right? Like, again, as much as both of these exercises are completely ego-driven, ego is not an attractive thing to me, right? Like, it's the story, and this lacks that. Sure. So, I don't know, man. I'll split it. One was good. The other one, not so much. <laughs> I mean, that's how I felt. I felt like, I felt like almost like, I don't know what other connection. We I would... wanted to like it. I'll put that out there too. I oh, wanted so to be I. like, oh, I love Eric Bogosian, right? Like, that's cool. Well, He's that's cool... actually, I, I, that's why I watched it first. Cause I'm like, okay, I might be disappointed, but in my memory, swimming to Cambodia is amazing. And it is still amazing. I, the parts of it bummed me out, but overall I thought it was amazing. 
So I didn't want to watch it first. I was like, let's give this Eric Pagosian guy a chance. I watched the Eric Pagosian thing and I was so bummed. I thought, uh, maybe I'm going to hate Spalding Gray too, because maybe <laughs> I just don't like this sort of thing anymore. And I ended up being charmed by the Spalding Gray one, despite parts of it bumming me out, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, sorry, Liam. <laughs> no, there, uh, hey, man, the point of no, the show I mean, is not yeah, just to watch, watch everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying, though, it, it definitely bummed me. It definitely had me being like, where did I put my phone? Like that kind of moment while yeah, I'm watching this yeah, thing. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, and I, a lot of Googling of like, wait, why do we care about Eric Bogosian? And I get it. You know, like he's awesome. He's a playwright. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's a very talented individual. And I don't know, man. I would definitely I mean, like to see what he would do now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's on that show, that succession show now. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, he's I, pretty I good haven't that. seen it. Yeah, you like it? That. Yeah, yeah, he's good on that. Um, I will say this. Look, if you like one man shows, or I shouldn't, I keep saying one man, one person shows, if that's like your vibe and you think those are really fun and exciting, this isn't a bad version of that per se. It's it's fine. It just is. It just feels a little loose and a little bit too much. Just about look at me do all these characters without yeah. having enough of a of a point and of a narrative. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like again, not that everything needs a narrative, but it needs something to yeah. unify it all. And this just doesn't have so. Like I don't, say, I don't hate okay, that I saw say, it, but I didn't love it. To say that not everything needs a narrative, like examples of movies that don't need narratives are like Jan's Fankmeyer movies like Alice or like fucking Jodorowsky movies. You know what I mean? Like you need those other bits. Right. But, but if, if it's one take, dude yelling on stage, it'd be nice to know why we're watching him. Yell yeah. It would be, it would be a good thing to at least have some context. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, like I said, I thought the British one was pretty funny and then parts of the businessman were funny but he Oof. did that character for so fucking long yeah. that it eventually got tiresome. And it's him on the phone. And you're like just watching a guy talk on a phone. I don't know. It was it was a lot. It was a lot. Again, these all felt like uh, improv pieces that they got turned. Like it, not even improv pieces, improv jokes that got turned yeah. into a play. And it was not working. It was not. It didn't land for me. I know people like him. People are fans of Eric Bogosian. I get it. This one was not a fan maker for me. All right. Let's stop talking about how we didn't like it. It's time to end, end the show. But right. uh, yeah, we don't recommend it unless you really love Eric Bacosian or One <laughs> or Man Plays. One Man Plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With no thematic through line. Of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So then that's it. Episode 157, done and done. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe because that's the currency that podcasters such as ourselves really do uh, value. Um, but also, if you don't rate, review, or subscribe, you can also just tell a friend and that'll be good enough for That'd us. That'd be cool. Yeah. And buy a t-shirt. Uh, you know, just uh, help help us out. Give us a, some, throw us a couple bucks with the Patreon. There's going to be some Patreon exclusive content coming up very shortly. Um, should be good. Uh, learn how to be cool with Josh. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's all I got. Anything you would like to plug, Liam? Anything coming up that you're hyped on that you want us to talk about real quick? No, nothing. Yeah. And uh, September <laughs> 15th, Krosky's are playing in Philadelphia again. So that's fun. We just finished our record. It just got mixed. So waiting for the mastering and then the artwork. And I'm pretty pumped on it. 
So can't wait to share that with everybody. Oh, when is uh doesn't Chris have another one of his wrestling things coming up at Chris the Steel has Stacks? yeah, he does. He has a uh let's hang out at Sokol's. Yeah, right? yeah. Check uh, no no no, it's at the Steel This is the bit this is not let's hang out. Let's hang out's always at Sokol's. This is at the Steel Stacks, man. He's upgraded. This is Ooh. again, you're not a Bethlehem person, so you don't know the difference here. Right. But true. It's it's like he's going from booking shows at the church to a show at the electric factory. So nice. my man, he needs people to come on out. It's a big old wrestling event at the Steel Stacks. It's during Music Fest. Um, and it should be pretty great, but uh, you know, it's a much larger place. So uh, I think you can uh find info at the at Merchbin. Um uh or if you just head to the LVAC uh Instagram, they have posts about it. They'll have all the info. Yep. There you go. Definitely support Chris. Definitely show up to the Steel Stacks, let them know that you're there and it's gonna be a good time. So So All right. Other than that, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. And uh, some smoke bomb. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Horror Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Donald. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.